What's up, creeps? And welcome to a brand new motherfucking episode of that thing you tune into every single week for all your horror goodness. Brain stew! Brain stew, baby. We're back. It's been a couple of weeks since we've dropped some new shit in your eardrums, but we are here and we are on the verge of spooky season all you motherfuckers are already out there to your spirit halloweens you're already buying all those killer clown cotton candy guns all those animated props you're in mode just like we're in mode so we're here to give you the spooky the creepy creeping it real baby but jeremy we got someone special on the episode this evening we do we do i'm excited to have him on uh it's a good friend of mine been friends for uh several years at this point he was nice enough to feature me in his magazine a few times. Not like I'm flexing that at all, but... <laughs> oh, you are. I'm kind it sounds of, like you are. I'm kind of flexing it. So uh, joining us is my good friend, Nathan Hanneman. He is the owner of Horror Hound Magazine. He owns and operates the renowned horror convention, Horror Hound Weekend, comic book writer and creator of Revenge of the Horror Hound, and author of the newly released Halftone Horrors, which is a book all about the history of movie comic books. What the fuck is up, Nathan? Hey, thanks for having me on. <laughs> yeah, man. Who who's better to, to to bring on to talk about all things spooky than the guy that's that's built his life around it, man? It doesn't feel like you built your life around something that you love, you know? Yeah, like that's... you look back sometimes and go, "Crap, all this stuff's horror." That was <laughs> yeah. not intentional. Yeah, and like we talked pre-show, you've got a. Uh... A beautiful original Ghoulies promotional display behind you. God damn. That was actually a gift, by the way. Oh. A uh, hardcore collector named Landon Lee, who is no longer with us. I uh, I see some of his stuff on, on eBay sometimes to Landon. and I Breaks, your, breaks your heart, doesn't it? <laughs> it does, man. It does, because that's going to be all of us one day. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, fuck yeah, man. Well... Dude, we've got Horror Hound Weekend coming up in a few weeks, and I know every time I've talked to you, you're like, I need more time, because you're the one that's putting it all together behind the scenes, man, so, uh... I think that's become everyone? my catchphrase. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, tell all of us, uh, what's going on at Horror Hound Weekend September 9th through 11th? Yeah, this is... Normally, we're in Indianapolis in the fall, uh... Due to the pandemic, this is our second time being in the fall, Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, like you said, September 9th through the 11th, Sharonville Convention Center, or homeweekend.com. Um, but we're just trying to put on something. It's really funny. You uh, mentioned the horror stores are in, in season, uh, Halloween stores, whatever. Uh, we I went into this show actually going after that spirit crowd. I went off what, you know, what was going on. So we have... Ash vs. Evil Dead reunion, Hocus Pocus, the largest Hocus Pocus reunion, uh, Quinn Lord from Trick or Treat. We have the ca- uh, cast of Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Uh, coincide- uh, not coincidentally, uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. There's a lot going on at this show. A hell of a oh, lot. You've, that sounds uh, amazing. Yeah, you, uh, first of all, yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, you pretty much described everything that's happening inside of a Spirit Halloween store. So that's... <laughs> 100 percent that's amazing but you know who the biggest the thing fan is right at least on this podcast <laughs> jeremy do you like the movie yeah yeah so all I've of our never, never talked i don't think i've ever once. heard you talk all about of our listeners know life. that I, I i i have to like intentionally 
try to not mention it every episode, how much I fucking love that movie. And I still fail. I'm talking about it right now. Our listeners know what's up. Uh, God damn, dude. You've got like pretty much everybody, man. And I I could not be more excited about that show. And, and I'm bringing something to your show uh, for the Thing reunion. Uh, my good buddy Damon Farkas has been building and assembling a life-size dog kennel monster uh, for quite some time. So I'm going <laughs> to... That'll be uh, interesting for the cars that I drive next to on the way to Horror Hound. Because <laughs> they're going to look over and be like, yo, what the fuck was that? Because I have uh, a life-size uh, kennel dog monster. So I'm super excited to bring that and, you know, take pictures with uh, the cast and that. You better put that thing in the passenger seat. Oh, dude. It's right in, with the seatbelt. It's riding like in it's my lap. With you. It's riding in my lap. <laughs> I'll have its head out the window like a fucking real You gotta pull bar. over at like, the rest stops Let's and like, let it out in front of the kids and the old ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. He can't hold it that long. It's already bad enough. It's, it's already bad enough that when I drive, I'm typically listening to horror movie scores. So... I'll just have the windows down. It'll be, you know, Halloween or Prince of Darkness or something pumping oh with the, the kennel dog <laughs> hanging out the fucking window. Dude, you should put take, take a big glob of KY jelly and just throw it on its fucking mouth, just hanging off. <laughs> Dude, it, ha- it, has, it, uh, it has the spit strains hanging out of the fucking mouth. Can you mouth. imagine oh, legit. that yeah. family that's, like, driving on the legit. highway, and all of a sudden they're like, what the fuck is that noise? And, like, zoom in next to them, it's like, and the dog's just like... <laughs> Brady, you mean the Mennonite, Mennonite family like y- yours was? Okay. You mean the Mennonite that's family? The, that's the city of... Yeah, they... Right, the city is in the Why would they go there? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry for any of our Mennonite listeners. I mean, there. not to mention... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, not, not to mention that my license plate is literally M. Myers. So, you know. Maddie people know Myers. what the fuck is up. That's a good one. So you just, uh, you just released a book, man. That's huge. Tell us, tell us about the book, dude. Yeah, it, it took like two freaking years. Um, <laughs> I had this idea when the pandemic kicked off that I I don't know, you know, uh, kind of like what uh, that little somber opening moment about Landon. Uh, I have a lot of things in my mind where I, I want to leave a mark of, you know, some somehow. Um, and I realized that I love doing Horror Hound and, and stuff like that, but uh, I felt like doing a book finally would help, you know, make a look. Uh, I, I joke all the time that half of our readers of the magazine read our magazine on the <laughs> toilet. Um, I don't think magazines are something that people pass on after they, uh, you know, after they uh, leave their mortal coral. Um, but books, you know, no one throws a book away. So I got it in my head. I'm like, you know what? I want to start making books. I had worked in books back in the day. I haven't made a book myself. I wanted to do something my own. Um, and I sat around. I come up with six or seven ideas that I thought I could do. And for some stupid reason, I, I landed on uh, Halftone Horrors, which is just a history of uh, horror movie adaptations, uh, comic books. And I, I honestly thought it was going to be easy when I first started doing it, but if anyone's ever picked up a copy of Horror Hound Magazine, we can be a little anal when it comes to detail. And I wasn't going to do this book unless we could show every single variant cover ever produced of every title in the horror genre. Um, So yeah, it it literally took two years to get this thing from concept to completion. Um, 
and it's it sat at the printer for I want to say three and a half four months just waiting to be printed just because of a pandemic related delays and paper manufacturing and 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 so forth but it finally came out and my gosh it's a beast yeah dude that's, that's awesome, awesome man. man congratulations yeah congratulations that sounds amazing thanks yeah that's like yeah uh, so it if if it was it went to kickstarter um so it all the kickstarter backers should be getting theirs or should have gotten theirs by now um if they haven't i'm sure i'm gonna be getting emails uh but it's going to be at Horror Hound Weekend, September 9th through the 11th, and after that, it'll hit our website uh, for anyone who ever missed the Kickstarter. Sweet. Well, I will uh, definitely be yeah, picking up a copy in a couple weeks at the show, man. I'm looking forward to it. And then, dude, you, you did something else huge recently. You released your comic book, man. That's another, you know, dream for a lot of us geeks is to create a comic book, so... I've, I've been one. I honestly grew up thinking I was going to work in comic books. I... I have written scripts and and um, and storyboards for comic books geez, since I was a teenager. Um, so the fact that we we just did a comic for the first time and I'm I think I'm 43 is ridiculous. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little mad at myself, and it was really funny because the whole process was not what I expected it to be like. Um, we we literally had the entire thing done without a script. Uh, I storyboarded it all. And that's how the story was written. And then, um, yeah, after the story was written, the art was done. And then we had to come up with the dialogue based on what I storyboarded. And it was really, it was kind of fun. It felt like a, like free freestyle in a Saturday Night Live kind of thing. Like, it was weird. Hopefully it reads okay. <laughs> no, it's awesome. Dude, no, I, I've, I've read it and it's, it's super, super fun, man. I love it, dude. And I'm not just saying that. It's, it's really great if, any of our listeners uh, get a chance? Revenge of the Horror Hound is yeah, dude. It's, it's, in, it's it, yeah. So I, I was curious. Just growing up, though, I mean, obviously you said that you were, you saw a vision that you may be working in comics when you were younger. What were your biggest inspirations when you were younger in terms of comics? Oddly, Nin- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, perfect. Especially oh, yeah. those early, uh, those early comics are just so revolutionary. I, I was really big into the the Archie ones also. But uh, I I mostly was buying anything that was licensed, you know. Um, so like GI Joe, Transformers, even He Man. I was buying a lot of that stuff and reading it as a kid. Um, but it all it's it's really funny. Is I was always so focused on uh, pop culture, so I didn't get in hardcore in the comics until the X Men cartoon premiered on Fox. It's funny you mentioned that because I just literally started rewatching that for the first time since I was a kid on Saturday. I was showing my nephews who are six and four. How does it hold so, up? <laughs> oh, I think honestly, I mean, it came, you know, post Batman, the animated series. It was like very quickly after that, which at that time kind of really set the bar for uh, adult slash kid, you know, comic book adaptation that could still be smart enough for adults, but entertaining enough for kids. And I think it holds up really well. I got in like seven or eight episodes on Saturday while they were over visiting. And uh, I mean, obviously the animations 
not as good as we viewed it in the 90s, but I mean, it's still, I mean, when you look at it for its time, I mean, nothing else had come out that looked like that in terms of quality and there's great character development and great scripts and stories. And I mean, there's great action too. It's extremely violent for the time. Yeah. I mean, there's some really, really dark stuff. I mean, in the first main episode or or second episode, we lose one of the main X-Men. Morph gets, they think he's killed. So, I mean, like that's something that you just didn't see a lot in, in children's television. So did you guys, um, uh, did you guys get the, the pizza hut shit? For X-Men, do you remember that when they had the fucking VHS tapes and different pro- promotional items? Oh, I mean, I was there all the time. I mean, for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, yeah. the Rocketeer, I was there for every promotion. God. I was a huge, I, you know I, me, I, I was a huge Pizza Hut kid, so. Oh, dude. I yeah, probably for didn't sure. get that. No, you weren't alive yet. <laughs> um, and that's okay. Just, yeah, you weren't alive. <laughs> yeah. just, uh, just, uh, it was nice meeting you. Uh, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's always, it's always curious for me because, um, you know, I, I grew up huge into comics, and I don't read them as much now as I did as a kid, but I like a lot of the comic characters. I'm like huge into a lot of them. So it's always interesting to see, you know, people's huge interests that they had, that they, they grabbed from when they were kids. Oh, I X-Men. I don't think I was a bigger fan of anything in my life. Uh, I would bought, I think for my gosh, let's say from 1994 until 2005, I think I own every X-Men comic published including mini series spinoff, whatever, um, just long box after long box of stuff. And uh, I was so into X-Men that I, one day I just snapped, the Toy Biz had put out a Weapon X action figure. And I wanted it so bad, I bought it, and I didn't know if I should open it or keep, because I was too old to play with it. But I was like, it was just something that just looked so cool. Toy Biz did a really good job on that figure. And I bought it and I decided to keep it in the package and hang it on my wall. And next thing I know, my dad, who always was a, a goofball, um, he's like, hey, did you see they have a rogue figure at Thriftway? I was like, no. And he's like, you want it? And I was like, yeah. And next thing you know, I have an X-Men toy collection when I... Uh, I think most people I went to school with would have made fun of me if they knew I was collecting toys at that, you know, in high school. So I got really into that to the point where in 1995, my mom bought me a computer and uh, I started learning about that whole Internet thing. And I started designing a website about toy news and there was only one other toy website online back then. Um, and it was, I think it was Sir Steve's guide, which was a star Wars based website. Um, but I started doing all this toy, toy news and, uh, I would just dig into anything and post toy news. And I found out that a, uh, a toy magazine called Tomart action figure digest was published maybe 40 minute drive away from where I lived. And I ran into the owner and he saw my website and asked me if I wanted to come work for him when I was 18 years old. So that's what got me into publishing, which uh, led to Horror Hound. That's absolutely insane. Yeah, that is. Because, I mean, like, I still collect toys. I mean, I know Jeremy collects toys, but I I collect, like, I I probably buy a new toy, like, every week. I'm surrounded. You guys can't see it in the video, but I've got totes and totes and totes all around me (laughs) because I just moved a couple months ago and I'm lazy. And I do this show, which is the reason why. I'll just blame the show. But this is just all action figures from when I was a kid, then continued to growing up, just buying them. So... I, I swear I feel like I probably must have looked at that website as a kid because I mean when you're a kid and the internet was first a thing there's a couple things you're gonna look at obviously <laughs> nudies 
and then maybe if you're into like punk bands i'm pretty sure i looked at like a green day website but if you're into toys which i was and i never grew out of that you pro- I probably looked cool. at that shit man like you know so that's that's amazing yeah, it was uh, amazing it was funny you may know the other website the day that i was offered a job i was the job i was offered was to develop a website for this company but also do like image processing and other uh grunt work the same day i was offered that job i was offered a editor position at a website that was getting ready to launch it hadn't launched yet and that was uh figures.com hmm. oh of course and yeah. i turned i turned that one down because it was a website and i wanted to publish man yeah. that's crazy so i gotta ask man you like have a lot of plates spinning and we just went through a huge pandemic <laughs> still going through it how do you still like find the energy and i guess the inspiration to keep like something as big as horror hound the convention going like where you have all these other things where you could say well i got a book i got the comics coming out like these are things that would be much easier to maybe focus on instead of this massive event like what keeps you going they, it it wears you down. I can tell you that. I I love creating. That's what I love. I I like uh, at this show. We're uh, we're gonna have a horror hound tiki mug, which that whole process of designing and getting that off the ground. Um, I just yes uh, yesterday and today I'm dealing with uh, these cards that have to be printed. These little menu cards for the for the tiki mug because in my mind the tiki mug's not enough i also have to have uh, a drink a horror hound drink that has to be invented by a world famous mixologist and i need swizzle sticks with the horror hound logo on them and i need coasters um i can't just have it just be the tiki mug so i'm literally working on all this and you know a lot of times there are people helping but i'm I, i do have my hand in all of it um when it gets down to the last 40% of the work that needs to be done i start just crashing i get so tired of working on it all i want to do is work on the next project um so that's why there's always more things coming is because i'm so desperate to get away from the thing <laughs> that i'm trying to finish i like that i'm just i just i need I need to constantly be working on something new and it just, it overlaps a lot. It just really does. Next thing you know, I mean, I can't believe we finished a comic book and I was just on the phone with uh, my partner, uh, Jeremy. We were, we were uh, discussing, (laughs) we have a, uh, a horror hound app that's launching this year. um, That's got movies, short films, music videos, all sorts of crazy stuff. All of our Q&A panels we record, I edit uh, at our shows. So that app is going to launch, HorrorHound TV. And that's launching along with our brand new website, our digital magazine and books. And we have two films in production that we are uh, we're producers on. We had the comic and the book released this year, our magazine, the two conventions. And I am in the process of uh uh, for about two hours today all i did was work on a big giant convention in california that's next year (laughs) um yeah i i think (laughs) i can probably guess which that one i think i might know what it is yeah 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 we don't i think i might know maybe i don't know (laughs) california (laughs) next year what uh so when when do you think that you'll be able to discuss that 
as soon as the there's two other people involved in the convention and as soon as i get the okay to to give more info but anyone with uh I don't know. I don't want to say half a brain because uh, yeah. that's mean. <laughs> anyone with convention, anyone with convention knowledge, will will know exactly what what show Wait, that you're a little uh, common sense. Yeah, right? something yeah. for next year. And again, it's something I'm really excited about now. <laughs> I'm sure once we reach, uh, I don't know, July of next year, I'm going to be burnt down on it and trying to work on some new project. I just imagine you like going through cubicles, being but, like, "Oh, anybody got uh, something they need help with?" Uh, <laughs> Just like grabbing people's stuff. <laughs> oh, I can help you with this. I got this. That's awesome. Well, so, okay, so, question. So, mm-hmm. Out of all of your shows that you've done, who would you say that your most favorite guest that you've ever had attend your event is? Can I, your can I, give, can I give two answers? Yes. The nicest yes. person, the nicest person, we ever had that was the most professional straight up kick ass just kick ass was jamie lee curtis um she was just very forward very control i mean talk about a woman that knows what the hell she wants i mean there 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 is no questions asked she she laid out the terms for her appearance. She she had never done one before. And it was just one of those things where you would think someone that has that much of a controlling nature would be a pain in the ass. But it was quite the opposite because she was doing everything she could to make it easier for us. Um, I think the only time she got mad, the, the car service sent a limo to pick her up from the airport. <laughs> and she did not want a limo. And we, we knew she didn't want a limo, and we told him no limo. And she was just like, I said no limo. Um, but she was the nicest, just hands down. Uh, and, r- like, we ran into her, like, three years after that show, and she she immediately remembered our names, you know? That's cool. Wow. Um, my favorite was Scott Wilson. I just love that guy. He was uh, one of the few guys that would come back to the room spend time hang out drink uh just have a lot of fun and so we had scott at our show quite a lot of times uh and if anyone wondered why he kept coming back it was because we just wanted him there yeah that's awesome that's awesome so who's who's the worst <laughs> guest you've ever had <laughs> like he's gonna tell you right now i'd love to hear it i mean if if hold on well hold on yeah well, hold on. If it's the worst, he's not bringing them back anyway, so fuck them. <laughs> that, there's a name that we actually kicked out of our show. Okay. Um, like mid-show? Like an hour oh. into the first show. Or, or into the show. Wow. Um, in retrospect, I don't necessarily know that it was his fault. It could have been his manager's fault. Um. I would rebook this that person in a heartbeat. I would, so I won't say their name. Can we get like an official horror um, hound list with the letterhead of who was not allowed at your shows? <laughs> <laughs> and not say that we publish it, but there, there are at least two. There's two that are blacklist, uh, and it doesn't necessarily mean they ever did yeah. our show to begin with. They just never yeah. will. Yeah, didn't Robert Zadar, didn't Robert Zadar puke at his own merch table at your show? No, that's a I think that's a story that uh a lot of people told at our show, but it didn't happen okay. at our 
show. Okay, dude, I've heard that story. On Urban Legend. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, no, it, it happened. It just wasn't at our show. I think our show was oh, the next shit. show gotcha. he did. And so it was what was being talked about. Um, lovely guy. I remember my wife texted me. Um, she was running the Horror Hound merchandise booth, and she says, get over here now. There's this guy who won't leave uh, leave the booth, and uh, you need to help. And I, I was like, okay. And I get over there, and it's Robert. It's our, Eddie's literally sitting on our table on top of all of our products. And uh, I was like, you know, like, dude, what's up? And he goes, oh, I just I want I asked to speak with you. I wanted to say hi. He was so super nice. Um, but That's it was awesome. really funny because I thought for a second, oh, man, this is going to be a headache. Um, it was it was really funny. She was she was mortified. She runs that merch booth like, uh, you know, like it's a of a, a fine you know five star store and this guy's sitting there laying on all of her merchandise basically <laughs> yeah I, I heard the story that uh okay so it's it wasn't horror hound uh but he he was at his uh his booth and apparently had quite a bit to drink and he had all these eight by tens in front of him and just ah, just puked on top of the table so not your show all right no like i said i I heard the story too. I think it had happened right before our show. And I think that's why the story circulated at our show so much. That's funny. But that's funny. I don't know. He was fine for us. <laughs> so uh, before we jump into our uh, top five movies that scared the shit out of us. In other words, top five scariest horror movies. Yes, that is well. <laughs> Easier to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So what what movies have you been have you been watching, man? Have you seen anything good lately? It could be a I mean, rewatch, sure. Sh- like modern stuff, like brand yeah. new. Like I I saw Prey. That was that was fun. The um, I haven't watched any really old stuff lately. Um, I like the Black Phone a lot. Yeah. I loved X. X maybe my favorite awesome. horror film of the year. Uh, it's still my favorite of the year so far. Yeah, you know. it's really good. I think it's uh, in the number two spot for me right now. But yeah, I've been so busy. I, oh yeah, we I, we just watched Jurassic World Dominion. Oh. I didn't, I didn't hate it. Everyone, I don't know why everyone hated on it so much. It was dumb dinosaur fun. I could if if you listen to the episode that I did, not you'd understand why I hated it. <laughs> but I'm not going to relay that here right now. <laughs> Oh, it's okay. It's okay. I love dumb dinosaur fun. I just didn't love that movie. <laughs> I hated the last one, so it was better than the last one for me. Yeah, very fair. But yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't think I've watched anything old for the first time ever. I, I really want to go see Nope. I still that one. That one's probably the number one it's I haven't great. seen. It's great, man. Really, yeah, really I think good. we all we all came out pretty positive on that one in our review episode for sure, and I went and saw it a couple times. So, and that one definitely check that one out. That one weirds me out too because I've seen people completely shit on it, and I don't, I, I haven't seen it, but I still want to defend it. I I feel no like way. anything that Jordan Peele puts out at this point, there's going to be people that say it's it's shit because I feel like there's just people uh, out there that are going to say no matter what he makes that it's not. Someone just said to me, they cringe every time they hear someone say Jordan Peele's the our modern day Hitchcock, and I, I I just laughed really hard. I was like, it's it's excited young people. What do you, 
you can't get mad at them. I remember when I said the same thing about M Night Shyamalan. Mm-hmm. Also, in, in you know, from someone that watches a lot of movies, like pretty much every movie that comes out, I can defend that in the sense that really no one else is really trying to make movies the way Jordan Peele's making them in the same way that Alfred Hitchcock made them back in the day. So it's a different, you know, totally different uh, social climate in terms of uh, filmmaking in Hollywood right now. But for some weird reason, this guy's got a, a very strong personality in his films that's totally different than the other mainstream stuff we see. And yeah, I get it. It doesn't work for everybody, but still, it, it's it, it's original, it's different, and um, it definitely sparks conversation. And, you know, Hitchcock's always time. He was the only one like that making movies during that time, at least in the mainstream. So people just love to shit on stuff. And also, uh, you know, to defend the other side, people just love to put labels on stuff. You know, people people like to use the word masterpiece a lot today. Yeah. But, you know, without much context. I'm guilty, just, I'm it guilty, is what it is. I'm guilty it is what of it is. that sometimes. I get really excitable when something new and, and really, really good comes out. I'm like, did, did he just take he, he the jab? Right the did he really just it's take like it? It's like when you trip and before anybody else can say it, you say, oh, I wanted I to see if you take that. Like, Listen, I'm guilty of it myself. Like I'm guilty of it myself. It was fucking just saying. Flawless <laughs> like, masterpiece. <laughs> it's all good, though. But, yeah. Cool. So, uh, so before one more thing before we take our, our little break. Is there anything else you want to you wanna talk about with Horror Hound coming up? I mean, dude, uh, I'll throw something out there. We're premiering yeah. uh, our documentary, Fred Heads, at Horror Hound. So, thank you for housing our premiere. We're really excited about it. Uh, Sunday, 1 p.m., at Horror Hound, Fred Heads is premiering. Super, super excited about that. But, uh, dude, any, anything else you want to throw out about the show? Um, Yeah, I'd like, uh, you know, one of the things I don't think we get a lot of promotion. I don't think we get in a lot of promotion for because um, sometimes we don't have all the materials in time to do it is our reunion photo ops that we do. I mean, I really feel like I should mention like. We have that massive Hocus Pocus reunion, and if anyone who did our last show, we did a Scream reunion, and you you could get a photo with a screencast in front of a replica of, um, it was Stu's house, right? By the way, that was um, I was extremely mad that I couldn't make it out for that because I just met a few of those guys this last weekend, and it was in front of the most boring background ever. Uh, Not hating on Monster Mania, just saying. After I saw people with that background, I was extremely jealous of that. I, you know, I have all the respect in the world for Monster Mania is one of my favorite shows to go to. Um, But I, I refuse to do photo ops with my logo all over the photo ops. I don't think that that's fair to the fans for the amount of money that they pay. So we started, we, you know, we started, (laughs) I hate, I hate to make, take a jab like that. But I, I, again, all the respect in the world, but I really, really, really like putting the va- a value on those ops. And we did the Halloween three op. We worked very closely with a, a, a friend of ours to develop that background. And it's hard to, it's hard to explain to the fans what these backgrounds are going to be. And they kind of have to take, you know, it in faith that it's going to be good. And I think anyone that took that, um, took a chance on the Halloween three would have been, you know, walked away happy. Cause I, I, God, that was such a good, good background, the store display kind of replica. But for this show, for Hocus Pocus, um, we're developing the Sanderson sisters uh, living room with the giant. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, the cages that the nerds are in are going to be hanging or not the nerds, the bullies are in 
are going to be hanging ice <laughs> and uh, a replica for evil dead ash versus evil dead we got the uh, evil dead cabin um I'll, i'm gonna reveal a guest that hasn't been announced yet uh, uh we're getting ready to add millie shapiro from uh heredity oh god damn and wow. she is doing a photo op with a telephone pole wow <laughs> because <laughs> everyone was going to ask is there going to be a telephone pole and they're joking but no there is there is <laughs> it's Dude, just too, it. it's too good and so like yeah we have the, a hereditary thing, poster. the thing cast I as of this rec uh, recording uh, we haven't put the groups up yet and I'll explain why in a sec um, but we're doing the uh, dog kennel scene as the backdrop um with with a special prop that's being donated <laughs> oh, i wonder where that's coming from yeah yeah hell yeah dude but yeah i had the call earlier today and I, i'm like uh so david clinton is he in or out and they're like we bought we bought half of his flight so far i'm like all right then that means he's in so now that we got david clinton on board we're able to uh get that reunion up and david clinton in the thing uh if what was his name jeremy palmer palmer you gotta dude, be fucking he did, kidding me dude it, one of my favorite lines outside of that one from him and or actually in total in the movie is when he's like oh hell i'll, I'll take you up there mac and he goes no gary's taking me he goes hey th thanks for thinking about it though <laughs> Like, dude, that <laughs> that fucking line makes me laugh out loud every single time I watch that movie. Like, he's he's probably outside of McCready and the obvious childs. He's probably my favorite character. I fucking I just love him in that movie, and he's he's the last living cast member that I've I've yet to meet. So meeting him is is absolutely huge for me so I'm, I'm really excited that you guys were able to add him that's that's super exciting and i can pretty much complete all of my items so i'm really excited so thank you sir you're driving in right oh i'm driving i'm driving <laughs> with the fucking dog dog monster creature in my car with the dog monster creature with the ky jelly Jewel coming out the window and uh, flapping all over that soccer mom's fucking front <laughs> van window, and she's thinking something else is going on in the middle of that car. But yeah, like, fantastic. I like I think that that dog's retarded or oh something. Did you see him? He was fucking <laughs> fucking weird looking. I know you're not allowed to say that word anymore. I know. Hey, honey, something's wrong with the dog. Look at that dog. There's something wrong with the dog. <laughs> and what's what's crazy is that uh, so my my buddy that that painted and and built the dog monster for me he he put this uh coat of paint on it that it's always going to look wet like it looked in the movie so uh it looks nice and slimy and disgusting and will look great in the photos i'm excited for you guys it's gonna yeah. be great last time i went to cincinnati it sucked yeah wow okay I'm excited that's you're nice. not coming bitch oh <laughs> that's not nice all right well ladies and gentlemen we're gonna take a quick promo break and then of course when we come back we're going to be talking about our top five scariest horror movies or whatever Jeremy said about top five scary something movies that made you poop your pants or something. Movies that scared the shit out of yous. Yeah, out of yous. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Mikey. And this is Maddie. And we are the Alone in the Dark podcast. 
Join us on this nostalgic journey through horror where you will find top five theme podcasts and audio commentaries curated for some of your favorite horror films. If you're into celebrating the best films that came out during a certain year, then you'll really dig our class of episodes. We even repurpose lines from your favorite horror movies to create a brand new story for our special In the World of podcasts. We bring you something different each and every episode, so let us be your video store curators. Fun is guaranteed, and there are never any late fees. Remember, you're never really alone in the dark. And we are back with our top five scariest horror movies, or as Jeremy liked to say, movies that scared the shit out of you, five of them. The movies that made you take a gigantic dump on the fucking toilet. (laughs) However you want to call it this thing, this is what we're talking about. So, ladies and gentlemen, listen, these lists are our lists, so we all have those lists. You know, could it be from childhood, adulthood, when you were a teenager, that one time you had that date that didn't go so well. These are those movies, though, that scared the shit out of us. Well, I mean, so we're going to start. Well, but before you even you even to jump into the list, you know, being a horror movie fanatic, a, a lifelong horror fan, once people find out that that's my thing, one of the first questions that they ask me is, yeah. well, mm-hmm. what movies actually scare you then? So it's kind of forced me to look at the films that I've seen and gone, OK, which ones really, really got me? So, uh, you know, usually I could pull a couple off the top of my head, but doing a top five list, there were. You know, a few of these in here that I'm like, oh, yeah, dude, this one, you know, when I started really thinking about it, like, oh, shit, this one really got me. And Nathan, I I assume that, I mean, you run a horror website and horror convention. People inevitably have to ask you pretty frequently, like, what's the scariest movie you've ever seen? No, not really. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm asking you. They get. They ask me what my favorite is. I honestly, I don't get asked what my uh, which one scares me. So, what's your favorite? Oh, Jaws. Okay. Uh, Justin just met Steven Spielberg and got him to sign a, a Jaws poster. Really? Yeah. This is this is true. Yeah. This is true. I'm flexing it, for I'm, you, Justin. I'm still on a high over it. Well, what what was it. the scenario? He was there doing a. Screening of Raiders of the Lo- Raiders from the Lost Ark, uh, and uh, it was a live Q and A with Lin Manuel Miranda. I even messed up the title of the movie because I'm sitting here thinking about it, like still nervous about the fact that I was going to stand outside and hopefully see him. So yeah, it was just a Q and A he did. It was like 30 minutes um, after the film, and then he came out and just he actually approached some of the fans and stuff. So it was wow. really amazing. Yeah, in New York, right? In New York City. Yeah, it was a. Uh, Right near the Bronx, actually. That's impressive. And not only just a regular poster, but it's a very extremely rare Paul Shipper Jaws print, which is one of my favorite prints ever. It's only like one out of, I think, 110 that were made. So, yeah, he liked it, too. He commented that he, that's a great one. That's a nice one. So, <laughs> What yes, would you have done dream if he went true. to sign and, like, his pen went through and, like, made a hole in it? Or if he said, what is the shit you're giving me? And like crumpled it up, what would you have done? Okay. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to say. <laughs> the, uh, I just I just Googled the uh, poster that you, you're talking about, and I own that poster. So Oh, awesome. I, so you're, you're one out of 100 and whatever, whatever, right? right? I got the one with the uh, credits on it. Yeah, I, I think it was like, I, I got mine secondhand from a guy. Uh, it was an eBay thing. So I, oh, that. It was really I bought it when it dropped. <laughs> Boom. 
Boom. Years yeah. way before my wife allowed me to buy <laughs> You're anything. Like, I got mine signed by Spielberg. What were we talking about? <laughs> He's oh. like, oh, yeah, I can see the signature. But, now, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, we're going to jump into our, our lists here of our top five scariest horror movies. Brady, we're going to start with you. you know, what is your number five? Like it always is to see if there's a generational divide here in our lists. Um, everybody knows I didn't really watch horror movies growing up. I'd see some here and there when I wasn't supposed to. Uh, didn't really get into them until I was an adult, though. But my number five is from 2003. I saw it on the Sci-Fi Channel probably when I was 10, 11, so 2005, 2006. It's uh, Darkness Falls. You guys seen that one? Dude. Fucking yes. scared the Not shit since it came out. out of me. I haven't seen That's it. the Tooth Fairy. Isn't that the Tooth Fairy yep, movie? The tooth fairy. So, you yeah. know, for those who don't know, the main character, Kyle, witnesses his mother's brutal murder at the hands of a vengeful spirit when he's young. Um, you get into the history. Darkness Falls had lynched a disfigured widow by the name of Matilda Dixon, uh, whom the children referred to as Tooth Fairy because she'd give gold coins whenever they lost a tooth. Two kids go missing, so the town uh, lynches her, and her spirit then just exacts its revenge on the town. And Kyle goes back because his love interest brother is the new target of the Tooth Fairy. Uh, as a 10-year-old, this was fucking terrifying to me. Uh, there's parts of the movie where you find out that like the Tooth Fairy can't see light. So if you shine like a flashlight on her or anything like that, like that's her weakness. But then the whole town just goes dark. And she's just like mauling people left and right. There's like a, a whole sequence where she's killing a bunch of like medical professionals while they're trying to get through like a lighthouse. Oh my God. I just, it, it, it makes it hard to sleep after watching that. Um, I can't say that I've watched it again really since then because I don't know if it would hold up and I kind of want to keep it in my mind as like <laughs> one of the scariest movies I ever saw. But in that moment, I, I couldn't sleep. Like it just stuck with me. I was like, I don't believe in the tooth fairy, but do I? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to have to uh, go back and rewatch that. I haven't, I haven't seen the it since it The scary thing too was like she wore like this white mask because back when she got disfigured she put the mask on and that's what also like led to her lore and, and legend and that mask is terrifying too so just if you guys check it out i mean let us know if it holds up but yeah that's number five for me yeah, i just remember they wanted to make that into a uh, merchandisable film mcfarland toys did action figures dark horse did a comic book it was a it was a weird one but I I uh, I do like movies like that, like Vanishing on Seventh Street, where the the darkness yeah. becomes and, a character. Uh, I was looking it up today, and uh, Cheney Clay plays the main character of Kyle, and I didn't realize that he like died back in two thousand seven, shortly after the movie. Oh. He was in uh, The Shield on FX, um, Darkness Falls. He was born in Manassas, Virginia. Yeah, uh, and yeah. then died at the age of thirty four in two thousand seven. So, crazy man. Too young. Too young. Too young. All right. Uh, my number five is is one that scared the shit pretty much out of everyone from my generation. It's Tommy Lee Wallace's It from 1990. I remember seeing this movie when I was super young, and I didn't catch the whole movie the first time. Uh, my dad was watching it, which is really strange because my dad has never been a horror movie fan. But it's weird because every now and then he'll he'll like watch a horror film, uh, which is strange. Like he 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 just told me he watched uh, something that just came out, and I was like, "Damn, you watched that? So weird!" Like 
He doesn't <laughs> like horror movies at all and will randomly watch one here or there. And, dude, It from 1990 was one of them. And I just remember that I was, you know, he was in the basement watching it and he didn't hear me come down the stairs and I knew he, he wouldn't let me watch it. So I was, like, super quiet and was, like, just, like, standing, like, kind of, like, in the doorway watching it. And it was, I'll never forget the first scene that I ever saw from it. It was the scene of Beverly, which was Emily Perkins, and she's in the bathroom, and the blood is coming out of the sink, and Pennywise is talking to her through the drain. And I remember that my child brain was like, this is the scariest fucking shit I have ever seen in my entire life. And uh, I don't even know if I watched the entire movie from that point on. Um, I know I watched a good bit of it that I think I was like, all right, this is like too much for me. But the images from the scenes that I did see were just absolutely terrifying and uh, spent many, many nights afraid to go to sleep in my own room. And I was like, oh, man, I can't tell my parents that I watched some of this movie because I wasn't (laughs) supposed to watch this movie. So I just kind of was one of those things that I laid there until my body just went unconscious. So that's my number five. I think that, that hits for a lot of people. Great pick. Yeah. Is it still scary? So, no. Um, no. I don't know, man. I feel like I'm fucking jaded now from all these these movies. Like, it takes a lot for a movie to still shake me up uh, these days. I can name... I mean, there's a couple on this list that given... If I would watch it in the right setting, like, yes, it would get me. But I don't think it is one that would still scare me. So my number five, I'm going to jump off here with a movie that most people that know the show, that know my taste, are not going to expect. Coming from 2007, it's a movie that Jeremy's mentioned on the show a few times. The Thing. And it's from (laughs) Blumhouse, and it's also my least favorite genre when it comes to horror. (coughs) Found footage. Um, This is a supernatural horror film produced, written, and photographed by Oren Pelly. It's Paranormal Activity, and yeah. uh, this is a movie I did not see in the theater because I, at the time, hated found footage, and I still don't care for it much, but a friend of mine wanted to rent it and watch it, and I watched it at home with them, and I was legitimately frightened. This is 2007, so I'm an adult when this movie came out, and I was extremely impressed by it. I mean, like, all the lights out in the house and got, you know, the mood set. And, you know, at that at that age, I'm like, nothing's going to scare me. Nothing's going to frighten me. And there were a few moments that really got me on the edge of my seat. And sometimes with new horror movies, like, they'll, they'll get me a few times. But this movie had me from the, the moment that it started. And, and I really appreciate that about it. Not since has a found footage movie affected me in the same way. But I had to, you know, due diligence, I have to be as honest as possible with this list. This is a movie that most definitely affected me and creeped me out. So, you know, when you're a horror fan, that's that question you mentioned earlier, Jeremy. People ask you that question. Well, if you love horror, then what movies have scared you? And barely any, to be completely clear. I watch these things because I enjoy them. It's basically like an orgasm that I get (laughs) watching them. But, you know. We all love different things, different strokes, different folks, as you will. Um, but this movie most definitely got me. So that's my number five. And, of course, moving on to our guest here, Nathan, what is your number five? Well, it's funny. The reason I had asked if uh, it still scared Jeremy was when you, when you guys told me the subject of, uh, of this list, I, I was trying to find the five that's to this day I would have difficulty watching by myself at 2 a.m. by my uh in the dark and 
uh, uh, before I cut it down, Paranormal Activity was literally just on the on the skirt of making the list, and it was because those found footage films just there's something about them they bring you down the reality, um, like Blair Witch Project did. But I uh, I cut the list down to five. Number uh, number five, I'm gonna go with a movie that's pretty damn new still 2014 uh it follows Ooh, great film great Love soundtrack movie. Movie. amazing soundtrack right and it was uh i remember watching it and i don't you know in any given year i think if i'm lucky there's two horror films that really take you by surprise and 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 shock you that that they were that damn good and what what i really like with movies in general is when they can surprise the hell out of you like you just don't expect them to do things that uh movies typically don't do and when that movie kicked in with the the ghostly you know the girl becomes cursed and and has this thing following her at all times unless she can get rid of it it really was done in a manner that just just freaked me the fuck out like I cannot watch that one by myself to this day. I just can't. It's too much. I once that she opens that door and the uh oh. the man comes running at her. Oof. Yep. Done. He just like fills the, the room. Guy yeah. that creeps under the door. Yeah. Oh, God. Terrifying. That's a great one. Mm. Well, I guess I'll go next, right? <laughs> I guess I'll just follow <laughs> yeah, it up. Number 4, bro. Um, yeah. Sorry, I was yeah. I was thinking Let's of Let's see if you can follow that like, shit up, bro. I watch that soon. <laughs> um Number four for me is uh, one that falls in line with this. So, you know, I I still, watching it now, um, get pretty scared. And it's one of those things where, like, you know, when you walk down the hallway to bed afterwards, you're kind of looking behind you or or walking a little faster to turn the light off. But it's from 2010, uh, James Wan's Insidious. And I just watched it over uh, the COVID quarantine because it was on Netflix. And I you know, had told Justin I was watching it and he's like, dude, you have to turn off all the lights in your house. Like don't have a single light on watching this. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, whatever. Like, I'm a fucking big boy. I got my big boy pants on. Uh, so my wife who hates horror was at work or not at work. She was out um, at her, her brother's house helping with their son. And just admit it. She was out at the bar getting no wasted. She didn't want to hang out with you. All right. Not there were bars Anyways, open. Just had to turn this on and <laughs> wow just like you know i think a lot of people love the conjuring rightly so very scary film atmospheric but it's insidious for me when i think of his movies that really just resonate with me it freaked me the fuck out like from the moment the title appears on screen with those high strings i was instantly in a state of panic right i think it does a really good job of creating the sense of dread and unease and Joseph Bashara pulls some heavy double duty with creating the near perfect score in every scene and then playing the main red faced demon. I, I just think that that imagery alone too, like where it appears right behind Patrick Wilson's head. God, like it just, I, I know to expect it now, but I still oh, like iconic. jump whenever I see it. Um, and then even when they get into the stuff with like the astral plane and the further, I think it's done it in an effective way where it doesn't go off the deep end in the first film and it's still somewhat believable. Like, oh, this is a new take on where these demons come from or where they go or in these souls. Uh, and then lastly, just that fucking Tiny Tim song that is going, 
Yeah. Oh, yep. God. Oh, like, even you singing it now, I just have, like, the heebie-jeebies, man. It's like, and then that scene where the demon is, like, sharpening his claws in the shadows with that song going. And that, can you just imagine that fucking thing chasing you down the hallway? Like, you turn the light off to go to your room, and then you look, and that thing is just there. And instead, it My was you running death. into your yeah. dad's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a story you've missed. Uh, it didn't happen <laughs> you for missed, Nathan. Can, can, can I... Uh... Yeah. Can I make a comment on, on Insidious? I love Insidious, I, but I've always considered it a very clever, um, somehow got away with it remake of Poltergeist. I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Because it, it really, if you think about the point for point breakdown of that film, it really is Poltergeist, but it's just done in a different kind of a. Uh, it's like singing a song with a different oh instrument. You yeah, know? now that you mentioned that, I watched Poltergeist, like rewatched it shortly after Insidious, and I was like, I feel like I've seen this before. God. Yeah. <laughs> Are you telling me you, you watched Poltergeist? No, no, no. I had rewatched Poltergeist Insidious? after Insidious. I had seen Poltergeist previously. I was going to say, How dare you? But I forgot that you yeah. grew up with Mennonite and an Amish school. I saw and Poltergeist. You cows and shit. And <laughs> rode horse and buggy and all that stuff. Fucking, you know. dude, I love Poltergeist. So yeah. much. Thank you, Lloyd Kaufman. But yeah, that's number songs. four for me. What you got, Jeremy? Dude, this was a made-for-TV movie. It was a fake documentary. It came out before the film that it was uh, pretty much introducing came out. Dude, I'm talking about The Curse of the Blair Witch that hit Sci-Fi Channel. It was a documentary... Before the Blair Witch Project actually came out, there was a huge hype machine behind it. And, you know, if you guys remember, Brady, you won't because you weren't alive. But if you guys if you guys remember, when Blair Witch came out, part of their marketing strategy was to make you believe that you're, what you're watching is real found footage. That it's actual tapes that these filmmakers, you know, uh, tapes got found and this is what happened to them. So, Sci-Fi Channel had Curse of the Blair Witch that came out maybe a week or two before the movie came out. So, at this point, I'm thinking, okay, well, this movie called The Blair Witch Project is about to come out, and it's, like, real. Everything that happened in it is real. And what creeped me out is that I live in Virginia, and Maryland is is right next to us. So, I already, I'm like, okay, so there's some scary shit with the witch in the woods in Maryland that's not that far from my house. That's already I'm already kind of creeped out by this. So then have you have have any of you seen this documentary? No. Yeah. It's possible um prior to seeing the film it sounds familiar but I mean I yeah, it's hard to tell. I, I, a long time ago. I watched it at like I was you know, in middle school, right? Cuz Blair Witch came out in 99. So I was in middle school. It was like 10 o'clock at night and I'm watching this and Dude, it's 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 a faux documentary about events that never really happened, but portrayed to be that they really happened. And dude, it got me. I I would wager as far as to say that this Sci-Fi Channel documentary scared me more than the Blair Witch Project. Like, creeped me out. I could not go to sleep that night. And like I said, I was in middle school, and I was like, yo, I am so scared. So then. I, I'm going to be honest with you, like, I'm okay with the Blair Witch Project. Um, I actually prefer the uh, 
the most recent one that came out. I think it came out in like 2016. I prefer that one over. You like Adam Wingard's movie better? Absolutely. Really? I, I like I like Wingard's uh, movie more than than the original. I do. I'm not. I don't hate the Blair Witch Project, but I'm not someone that is like a tremendous fan of it. I'm not like, oh, that movie's fucking great. Um, my buddy Kellen, uh, yeah. our, our you, you guys went and visited the location. Yeah, our listeners yeah. know who Kellen is. Uh, he came out here and he was pumped because he fucking loves. Loves the Blair Witch Project. He's like, we're gonna go to the film locations. I'm like, all right, yeah, man, that's cool. <laughs> you know, it wasn't something that I was like super into, but they're cool to look at, though. I mean, yeah, I went, did for them a sure. few years ago too. They're really for cool. sure. Uh, but so when I watched Blair Witch when it came out, I, I would say I was almost disappointed because I thought that the documentary that came out on Sci Fi Channel was actually scarier than the movie that was released in theaters. So that is that's my number four, man. If you guys and before I you, you guys should totally to mine, yeah you guys should totally check out Curse of the Blair Witch. I will. Um, this is just an admission I've I've made on well I've probably made it on this show. I've also made it on like fifty other podcasts. Um, the Blair Witch Project was the first movie of my entire life where I was not a toddler, where I fell asleep in the movie theater to it. So <laughs> there's that. Just being honest. And I woke up with what what and. I, Someone was like, dude, you didn't miss anything. Yeah. Nothing happened. You don't see nothing. But as an adult, I won't even lie, though, because when I, when COVID hit and shit and you couldn't do anything, I was like, well, you know, I lived like an hour away from most of the locations. So I was like, grab my daughter, who at the time I think was 16, and my wife. I'm like, let's go look at them. We can just go take pictures and there's not going to be any problem. And we went and we looked and it was a lot of fun, you know, matching up the locations from the, the photos from the film. And then we got home and we rewatched it and I definitely have way more appreciation for it as someone that's been reviewing and watching movies for the past 10 years than me being like, you know, I was a, you said you were in middle school. I think you're a year before me, Jeremy. So I was like a freshman in high school when I saw that movie and I was like, Oh, you know what I mean? Like sometimes there are movies that you'll, you'll revisit much, much later in your life and you'll, you'll appreciate and sometimes there's movies that you revisit that you loved when you were younger and they don't work for you anymore so um and number four my my son mm. my young son here be ratatat he already mentioned the movie but it is insidious from 2011 from our lord and savior james wan who also directed malignant which jeremy loves with a deep passion he's gonna Ugh. get a malignant tattoo on his back Ugh. and whole portrait and everything um but no i mean this movie uh like brady said i told him to watch in the dark and i remember when i i rented this movie it's another one i didn't see in the theater look yeah. how bad i sound on this show i'm like this theater guy like alamo, <laughs> alamo justin, justin i didn't see this one in theaters either um but no i mean it was a movie it was, i read box this fucking shit <laughs> Back in the time when you'd say, I mean, I read box that. Um, and I, I was all alone, no date that night or anything. I think I was dating Danielle, and she was at her parents' or something. And I turned all the lights out, and I watched. I'm like, let's see if this fucking thing does anything to me. And it scared the ever-living fucking shit out of me. I was, like, looking around corners and shit in my shitty apartment in the ghetto, and I was like, oh, man, this is absolutely blew me away i think that was most definitely my first real introduction to one in terms of like knowing it was him and being having some anticipation that knowing he had worked on other movies prior to that obviously i'd seen saw in theaters and stuff um but you know this is a movie that i think still holds up today where i can continue to watch it i mean granted like i think they're on the fifth sequel right Mm -hmm. now i think patrick wilson just got done finishing like the fifth movie uh, as, as a director, um, so we'll see. I don't know. I'm, I didn't really care for 
many of the sequels or anything, but this movie for sure, uh, original and that demon and that design and everything. I mean, I know people like to meme it like it's Darth Maul and it definitely is Darth Maul with like a more like, I don't know, dready fucking reggae Rasta haircut and shit, but you know, whatever. It's awesome. So yeah, it's my, my number four. And Nathan, what do you got my for your turn. number four? Yes, sir. I have to keep track. Um, <laughs> I, I, I changed. Don't worry, we'll remind you. We'll remind you. Um, I keep flipping whether or not I'm going to go one way or the other. For this one, I'm going with the. Oh, it's cl- it's a classic one. I w- and it's funny because the last one I said I can't watch by myself at two a two a.m. This one I could though. Um, but I'm still putting it ahead of it. Follows is uh, 1978's Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I just rewatched it recently. Amazing remake. I love. That yeah, there's movie. something about that film, the way it's done. Um, I remember just any time I watch it, it's it's one of those films that you, you you know honestly. When I grew up, I always thought to myself, "There's no way something like this could happen." Um, but over the last five years, let's say, if it's felt like the the world's changed in a manner to where sometimes it does feel like aliens came down and took over half the population's brains. Um, so that it always scared me the idea of, of something like that that you could be you could have your personality, your entire being taken away from you, stripped down to just a a, a body. And uh, I don't know. It seems scarier today than it did when I first watched it. You know, I actually haven't seen that one. Here's a question, though, because I love the original, and I love the remake. Mm-hmm. Which do you prefer? I assume the remake. The remake. I love the original. It's got that fun banter. It's kind of like a when you talk about John Carpenter's The Thing versus the original Thing from Another World. Um, the original's fun for a different reason. It has a it has a fun dynamic with the actors. The way that the they phrase their dialogue in the film. It's very uh, of its era, and perfectly put. Yeah, it's fun. It's just it's not scary. Um, I will say the first time I went to L.A., I was being taken around to all these filming locations, and uh, Sean Clark was taking me around. I think it was a coffee shop that was used in one of the Halloween films, and I stopped. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't care about no coffee shop. Am I looking at the stinking town square from Invasion of the Body Snatchers down there? And he laughed. He goes, oh, yeah, that's that's the, that's the town square. It was so iconic looking. Just looking down. If you've ever been out there, if you look down the hill above where that, that – I'm talking the original one with Kevin McCarthy. When, you, when they look out the window and they see all the, the people. The, the trucks pulling around it, yeah. Taking the yep. pods out. It still looks the same, and I was just—that's the first movie location I ever went to where I was like, "Oh shit!" Mm-hmm. But yeah, I like them all. I even like the uh, some of the modern—I don't know if they're remakes or not. But well, there's the all... one with uh, James Bond in it, and then there's Nicole Kidman. Yeah, dude, I just recently too. I apparently had a body snatcher kick lately. That one's a good one too, man. Sweet. Hell yeah! So. We're moving along here, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to go to our number threes. And Brady, you are up with your number three. This is another one from childhood. And I don't know if it's because I still find the movie genuinely scary or because of the trauma attached to it for me. But uh, I come from a very (laughs) big extended family. Um, And so when I was was adopted into my my dad's family, 
uh, his sister has seven kids. The youngest was a year older than me. So it was, you know, us always hanging out and then his older siblings, my older cousins. There was like 11 years between me and his older sister. So we were constantly like always wanting to hang out with them, but they're like, no, we don't want to hang out with you. They're going through their teen years and we're, you know, six and seven. So one day his sister was like, hey, why don't you guys come in here like and hang out with all of us? And so we were like, oh, cool. Like we're finally getting to like the big kid table, so to speak. And (laughs) once we go in the room, it was a trap because another sister shut the door and locked it. And then the other siblings took us and held us down and forced us to watch uh, George Romero's Night of the Living Dead. And the (laughs) graveyard scene with Barbara just, oh, they're coming to get you, Barbara. Like, I... I can't not like freak out when I see that like on whatever commercial or rewatching it. It's just, you know, I honestly don't think that zombies or in this movie's case, ghouls were ever done better. You know, obviously we have technology has evolved. CGI has evolved. You get these crazy zombies. Um, but I, I think for this movie, it, they're so terrifying to me. And I, and I don't know if it's the black and white or it's just the, I had never seen one before. Like that was my first interaction with a zombie movie. And then I can't, I can't watch that movie. Uh, no, in no, color. no, no. Like I know that they've done different editions with it in color. Like I can't, I can't watch that movie in color. Like I remember one time I was like, cool, I'm going to watch it in color this time. And I watched like 20 minutes of it. And I was like, no, I'm going to restart it yeah, in black dude, and white. Like, I can't do this. When I watched it, you know, older when I was like, I'm just going to sit down and like watch the whole movie on my own. Like it, it really makes a turn about midway through where it stops being kind of that fun, silly B movie and turns into something extremely terrifying. And then you don't even get any satisfaction at the end because your hero dies. He comes out of the fucking cellar and gets shot. And then his body's thrown in the fire. Like there's no positive outcome in it. And so I think for me, it's like, it's, it's terrifying in the humanity aspect of it. And also like, the isolation, the pure isolation, like these things are coming back to life and, and killing you. Like, oh. Have they ever said in, in Dawn of the Dead when uh, they're in the helicopter and they're on their way to the mall and they pass over like that southern kind of landscape, have they ever connected that to Night of the Living Dead? Like they're going over some of the areas that, that Night of the Living Dead took place in, like where the sheriffs and the, the townspeople are and shit like that. Because I don't know, every time I watch Dawn of the Dead, I, I like... When they go over that town and there's all the rednecks with the guns and they're out hunting the zombies, I like, I always like to think like, oh, right in this point they're passing like where the events of Night of the Living Dead just happened. I don't know if they've ever come out and said that, but just when I watch it, that's kind of what I feel, and I kind of kind of dig. I it. agree with you, but I I don't recall them mentioning it anywhere. That's my number three, guys. Night of the Living Dead. Head of me. Great pick, dude. Yeah. Hedemius. So my number three is a movie that Ann and I watched, and my wife and I watched right when it came out in 2011. We watched it in the middle of the day, but we had the curtains closed and the, the living room was all blacked out. So even though it was like middle of the day, it was still kind of dark in my house. We got the blacked out curtains going on. Um, this movie scared the shit out of both myself and my wife like 
And it's very unusual for a movie to get me like that, especially if I'm watching the movie, like, next to someone. Like, you know, you got somebody that you can talk to, that you can, you know, be like, oh, my God, did you see that? That was so scary. You know, it kind of takes you out of the movie uh, and out of the scare factor sense, um, a lot of times, for me at least. I'm talking about Grave Encounters from 2011 that was uh, directed by the Vicious Brothers. I don't know if you guys have seen this movie. Uh, Never. Dude, it is, it is another. So, dude, they, they made two of them. So the first one did well enough that they actually made a sequel. Um, and the sequel is a straight up John Carpenter's Halloween 2. It, like, literally it picks up, like, right from where the first one ends. And it ties perfectly into the first one. And everything goes full circle. But hmm. 2011's Grave Encounters is another found footage um, trope. Film. Um, it's it's about a a reality ghost hunting crew that they uh, lock themselves in an abandoned mental hospital that's supposedly haunted, and it might prove to be all too true. Um, this movie has some of the best like gags and scares ever, ever. Um, this is like Nathan, you said earlier that there there's some movies that you would you would be afraid to watch in the dark by yourself. Mm-hmm. This is one for me, for sure, because, dude, you know, jump scares are often cheap, but if they're <laughs> done the right way, they can be brilliant. And this movie is not just jump scares, it's it's terrifying imagery, It's there's a sense of hopelessness, uh, because, you know, not to give too much away of the film so people can, can check it out, but... Uh, the deeper that these people have gone into the, you know, into this mental hospital, the more they can't find their way out. Like the mental hospital becomes so haunted that like literally they're unable to find the front door and it's just becomes a maze and there's just no way out. And there's these terrifying, you know, ghosts and apparitions that are, you know, just taking them out and, Oh man, it's it's I can't say enough great things about this movie. I fucking love it. I own both movies, but would I watch this by myself at nighttime? Mm. Absolutely not. I gotta check that out, man. It's really good, man. Really, really good. And the sequel the sequel you can't sometimes you just can't replicate what made a, a film so great uh through a sequel. Uh, the sequel is it, it's it's a really really fun good film and it's a great ride, but that first film is genuinely terrifying, in my opinion. I'll have to add it to my list. I've never actually I don't think I've ever, I mean, I heard the the title before, but I've never seen it. So the uh, the filmmakers man they made a, a really fucking trippy alien movie too. Um, hold on, I'm gonna pull it up. They made Extraterrestrial that came out in 2014, which is a wild alien movie. Like, really, really well done as well. So so once you guys watch Grave Encounters 1 and 2, watch Extraterrestrial okay. after that. Sweet. All right. Well, moving on. My number three is a movie that is another new one, and another one from our Lord and Savior, James Wan. I'll never forget watching this movie. The day before it came out, it was... Right around midnight, and myself and the god of podcasting himself, Loy Sauce, had the ability to close down a theater, a huge theater, 
and lock that shit up and watch the movie all to ourselves in a, in a very scary fucking setting in pitch black. All the lights are off and you just clicked a button and you played the movie and um, The Conjuring 2. And I still think that this movie bests the first movie. Uh, I, I think that the scares are better. I think the atmosphere is better. I think the story is better. And obviously Juan, when you, when you watch his movies continuously, I mean, one after another, you can see how he builds and matures. And I think this movie, still to this point, at this point right now, as we're sitting here talking about this, is still my favorite of his more recent horror movies he's made. And by far one of my favorite horror movies of the last 10 years. I just was absolutely blown away by what he did with this movie in terms of the emotional connection to the characters and really just building suspense and creating, I should say, attempting to create iconic horror characters, um, which we we see people attempt to revitalize horror characters that we grew up loving, but it's very few and far between when it comes to filmmakers trying to create new horror icons. It's just we, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, Jeremy, on the show, um, that there people try to sometimes, like Art the Clown's one. They try to, you know, they're, they're trying, and sometimes they fail, sometimes they succeed. Um, but horror fans are fickle, as we know, and sometimes they just don't fall for it, or sometimes it's just not what they want, and sometimes it is what they want. And I just feel like this movie was a huge success. I think it was great for mainstream audiences as well as hardcore horror fans. And this is one of my favorite movies. So, The Conjuring 2 from 2016. Nice, man. James Wan is at number three. Number three? Did you... What were your thoughts on part three of The Conjuring? <laughs> um, Those are better left w- unsaid for well, now. I will Unless tell you, you that to have I'm pretty sure at one point <laughs> Justin was crying in the theater next to me, and it wasn't because he was scared. It was not tears of fear or of sadness. They were tears the, of the, anger. The quote from Justin it, that um, night in the theater that everybody could hear was, what the fuck are they doing? <laughs> Remember that. I uh, forgot you were. We yeah, took John McCoy that, too. Or Brady. Sorry. Oh, yeah. That yeah that's com- who it was. John was there. That comment about the last movie you fell asleep during, that that was Conjuring 3 for me. <laughs> that perfect one to take a nap through. And I actually gave that one a, sh- a second shot too. I watched that shit twice. Oh. Like, I, I, you know, sometimes like. You know, I want to give a movie a fair shake, and sometimes if I'm, you know, there, there's some hype built up, you know, unknowing hype. We all go into movies differently, and um, so I went into that one with as much anticipation as possible, and I failed with that. So, yeah, things happen, but. So we'll move along to you, Nathan, for your number three. My number three. <clears throat> the journey to this movie is a very odd one for me. I... My number three is 1981's Evil Dead. And I will tell people sometimes, you know, sometimes when the discussion of no one's ever outright, I don't know. I can't recall people outright asking me, what's your favorite scary movie? But the topic has been brought up as a as an overall group discussion before. And I if I ever mention Evil Dead, I kind of get laughed at like. Uh, what are you talking about? That movie's funny. And it's, it's hilarious to me that people uh, can't seem to separate Evil Dead from its sequels. But I had never seen Evil Dead growing up. 
I was in high school and a buddy of mine had asked me uh, if I had seen Army of Darkness. And I said, no. And the next day he brought me a VHS copy of it and said, you got to watch this. And I watched it. I was like, it was fucking awesome. Thanks. And he's like, he's like, uh, it was, wasn't it just the perfect sequel to Evil Dead 2? And I said, I've never seen Evil Dead 2. And he's like, what the fuck? And so the next day he brings me a copy of Evil, <laughs> of Evil Dead 2. And I was like, well, I've never seen Evil Dead. And he's like, I don't think it fucking matters at this point, man. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so I watched Evil Dead 2 and I loved it. And the 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 funny part is the reason why I've never seen Evil Dead is because the video store I grew up with, it had Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, but Evil Dead was always rented out. And I couldn't rent Evil Dead 2 if I hadn't seen Evil Dead. One day, maybe a year after I had now seen all three of the films, I walked into my video store. They were having a going out of business sale. And they were getting rid of all their tapes. And it was getting down to the nitty gritty at a certain point. And I, they have the box still, but the, the tape, it's like for 10 years, no one returned this damn movie. And they still had the stinking box there and it's still in mer uh, perfect condition. And I, I just asked the owner, I was like, can I just have this? You guys have never had it in stock. And he goes, oh shit, that's been out there this whole time? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh, someone returned the tape. It was uh, eight. Uh, their their machine that said it, it it ruined their machine, so I didn't put it back on. And uh, he he goes, it's actually in the back if you want it, but you know it's at your own risk. And he had this damn tape sitting in his in his back this whole time for ten years, and he just let me have it. So I I bought the copy from my home video store. I get home, I put it in, it played perfectly. But it um. That was one of those movies. It's just it scares the crap out of you. The the deadites taking over uh, all of Ash's friends and and his girlfriend sister. Just as the movie goes on, it's so fucking creepy. Because um, it's a it was a playful creepy, and I had never seen that in a movie before, where the the demons just take over and try to kill you. They were fucking with you first. Yeah. And there's something about that that just really resonated with me, and to this day, it's still gives me the creeps when uh when uh you know they're just sitting there possessed making these little jokey uh which uh, maybe people do think it's funny but i i think it's creepy no I, <laughs> I couldn't agree more we've talked about it on the show a little bit before i'm not the biggest fan of evil dead 2 i understand it's a completely different type of movie than the evil dead set out to be um but when i want to watch something from the evil dead franchise that genuinely scares me and, and keeps me in my seat. It's the original. Like, I think that they just hit it on the head with, and you just did too, with everything you said, it's just a genuinely creepy film that just descends into this chaos where the demons are fucking with Ash and his friends. And then they're going through these grotesque, gruesome deaths or dismemberments. And, and it's similar to night of the living dead for me. There's just this feeling at the end of just, loss like nothing right like there's no positive outcome really so great movie great pick i think that's one of the scariest scenarios is being in a in a very awful place and not being able to get out of it that the that the place won't let you leave there's just something inherently spooky about that well you know the eagles wrote about it in hotel california so I think all five of my picks kind of have that theme through it. They're, it's, they're all horrors people can't escape. Mm -hmm. Damn. 
great pick. Oh, man, I got to follow that up. All right, well, my number two is not The Evil Dead. Um, it's The Exorcist. And again, I saw this one as an adult and... At number two. At number What's two. Wrong with you? It's funny, you know. I come from such a religious upbringing, and you know, I don't really have any religious inclinations now in my life. But these movies still have this weird psychological hold on me, where it's like I don't necessarily believe in this stuff, but like it's still affecting me in ways that other movies don't. And this one, <laughs> I talk about the imagery in these movies a lot, but like there are moments still, like right. Now, currently, that I can close my eyes to brush my teeth or go to bed, and the demon Pazuzu is just there, and I can see it, and it's like, holy shit, and, like, it scares me, and, like, my heart starts beating really fast, I feel short of breath, and, like, I never had that before this movie, and then, you know, similar to Evil Dead, the demon inside of Reagan is is toying with the priests and is mocking them during this whole thing you know there's there's the crucifix masturbation there's your mother sucks cock in hell there's the the puking everywhere and it, the demon is just toying with these priests and and making fun of their faith and it's just oh my god it's unsettling and you know jeremy justin we lived you know all near dc mm-hmm. and i took this, nathan there actually yeah the, mm-hmm. the stairs i took I nathan to the stairs <laughs> i remember you texting me the day that you took him to the stairs yeah. It's just crazy, man, because it's like, you know, there are situations like Evil Dead or or whatever where it's, you know, a cabin in the woods or this remote location, but going to the stairs that were in the film where it's like, oh shit, like this gives it this this sense of being It's a heavy real. populated area where people are walking yeah. by, you know, day in and day out constantly. You, so. you, there, there's, it's very rare to walk by those steps when there's no one there. Mm-hmm. I want to get a picture on those steps. It's, it's almost like there's at least one fucking person running up and down those steps mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, when, when we were there, we walked up and down the steps. And I thought as we were there, the whole time there was all these joggers going up or down. And I, I was like, how the fuck can anyone get to the top of these steps and not fall over? Well, they're steep. Yeah, they're all jaggedy, too. They're not, like, straight. They're not, like, new. They've never redone them, as, yeah. as, as far as I can tell. Because I tried to run up them one of the last times I was there. And I was hammered, too. <laughs> <laughs> I made it. I, I, sh- I should have busted my fucking face, though. I took yeah. uh, I took Kellen there um, when we went and saw the Blair Witch stuff. Did too. you run up the steps? Dude, no. But there was some old dude that it was hot as fuck outside. He had on, like, a Rocky Balboa, like, sweatsuit on. Dude, tell me he had a headband on. Dude, he had a head tell absolutely me. he had a headband on. <laughs> absolutely he had a headband on. And he was running up and down the stairs and so like Kellen was like, Hey, do you wanna like how how do we want to take this picture? And I was like, dude, let's just do a selfie once that guy starts running up and he's like out of the way. And he was like, I kinda wanna ask that guy when he comes back down to take our, our picture. Yeah, of course he did. Of course <laughs> and I'm did. like all right, if you want to, you know. And so the dude came back down and, was, and Kellen was like, hey, would you mind taking our picture real quick? And he goes, I'm going to run up the stairs one more time, not during my exercise, but I'll take it for you when I come back down. <laughs> so then I'm like, I'm like, Kellen, let's just take the, the selfie, man. Let's just. And he was like, nah, man, he said he'll take it. I was like, God damn it. So you have to wait for this old man that's like in the sweat dude, listen, jumpsuit at 100 you, you degrees. Said, listen, think about this logically. You just said old man and he's running up those steps and he's old. That means it's working for him. Ladies and gentlemen, a point of contention. 
Do what that old man's doing, because you'll be old still and alive. I, Run up the exorcist. I didn't think you won't fall and die. I didn't think he was going to take our picture, not because he didn't want to. I didn't think he was going to fucking make it, dude. Those those stairs, like you guys were saying, are like so steep. Like, dude, even just walking up those stairs, I'm like, oh my god, I'm out of shape. This is this is horrible. But, well, those are the mozzarella sticks, Jeremy. That's not the steps. Mm, dude. <laughs> I do like me some mozzarella sticks. Mm. Some mozzi sticks. Mm. Mm. That's a great pick. It's way too low, though. I'm just saying. You're going to get bent over my knee when I see you next and a bare ass slapped. I don't care. It's going to happen. That's why I picked it. Just for the slap. Because you wanted the slap. Because I wanted the slap. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to jump into uh, on on the imagery of you spanking Brady's bare ass. You'll see it in a few weeks at Camp Blood, ladies and gentlemen. Nobody will be seeing my bare ass. We'll do it at Mahoning Drive-In. We're going to do a live show. Fuck the movies that it'll be playing. You're gonna see me in front of the screen spanking B. Ratty's bare ass. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, oh, great. I'm gonna jump into my number two, which is uh, the plot is a mother raising four children alone in a house plagued by, by a supernatural spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, I am talking about The Conjuring Two. There it is, dude. This movie. There has only ever been. Two movies in theaters that have shaken me to my core and scared me. And they are my top two picks. And Conjuring 2 scared me. I'm a grown-ass dude. I'm already, you know, I'm married at this point when I'm watching this movie. Me and my wife are in this pack. You're a bona fide horror expert. Yeah, man. dude. You're, you're on top of the world. This man. theater is completely pitch black. It's packed full of people. It's a sold-out screening the movie had just come out. I liked the first Conjuring quite a bit. It was very creepy, but it didn't it didn't shake me. It didn't scare me. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, you know, it was a great movie though. So I go into this thinking I'm gonna get another just great horror film, and what I got was a terrifying experience. Conjuring two got me. I I found points in the movie where I didn't realize I was holding my breath, but I was holding my breath. I was on the edge of my seat. I was digging my fingernails into my fingers. Um, it it really, really got me. Somebody tried to fight me in the fucking movie. Um, that was, you know, that doesn't play into the scary factor. But uh, this dude was like, this dude was like walking down the aisle, like couldn't find like where his friends were sitting. So he literally turned the flashlight on his phone and was shining it in people's faces to try and find the row that his friends were sitting in. And he shined the light in my face, and I was like, come the fuck on. He's like the fuck are you going to do about it? And I was like, not a goddamn thing. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing at all. No, I don't want that heat. <laughs> if you're brave enough to just to put a, a light in somebody's face and then say, what the fuck are you going to do about it? Nothing. You got it, man. <laughs> good good luck with your, your search party. Uh, so, yeah, dude, I mean, the movie is just the imagery. And, you know, when people think of The Conjuring 2, they think of The Nun. You know, the first time you see the nun, the nun's introduction. And the nun is great, and she's scary. But she's, like, one of those creations that, like, was concocted to be scary. You know what I mean? It's like, let's take a nun, but make it a demon nun, right? Um, I like the nun, but the ghoul in this movie, the ghost in this movie that really fucking got me was that old man. The old man, Jesus, yeah. That resonates dude. with everybody. That's my like, Think about that, you know? What are you doing in my house? What are you doing in my house? Jesus, dude. I remember <laughs> looking at my wife 
and was like, oh my god, this is fucking terrifying. And I had only experienced a film that got me like that one other time in my life. And I just didn't think that at where I was in my life at that time that it was even possible for a movie to fucking scare me like that. But it did, man. It did, and, um, you know... I, Again, when people ask me, you know, what are what are some of the scariest movies you've ever seen? I always tell them The Conjuring 2. Great movie, and if you've never seen it, it's one that you have to watch in the dark. No lights on. No lights on. Mm. I see a doggo. I see Sorry, a dog. Guys. Can't stop the dog. Listen, I have four of them. Nathan so can't stop I'm with doggy. you. I'm with you. If I recorded upstairs still, um, yeah. They'd be all over me all the time, so no worries. We're we're dog lovers here. We're all love, <laughs> except for Brady. He doesn't. He, he has cats. He's a little so cat no bitch. A little bitch here's cat. The, here's the thing. I love dogs. Uh, <laughs> I like the idea of having a dog. I do not have a lifestyle that would accommodate a dog. So I didn't know you had a lifestyle. Thanks for yeah. That. It includes not taking care of a dog. <laughs> <laughs> it includes. Nothing. Brady, 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 picture, Brady, Brady, be honest with everybody. The reason that you don't have a dog is because you came over to my house and my dog puked all over the place, and you were oh like, "Oh you know what? my god, I don't want." You want to talk about? You want to talk about House of Horrors? <laughs> going Come to on, fucking man. Jeremy's house and his dog looking me in the eyes and going, <gasps> and just puking all over the place. <laughs> I mean, like well, that's exorcist thing, man. puking. That's a thing. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's just Blake. He's old. He does that. And, Dude, like, and oh. the worst is that at, at the time, so, you know, God rest both their souls. We had two dogs that lived to be 14. And um, so at the same time, so that was my dog that, that barfed in front of Brady. He was black lab. That's my so, dog. And uh, Ann's dog, that was also, of course, my dog, was a Pomeranian. And he had Cushing's disease. I don't know why I'm laughing because it's fucked up. But he would go. <laughs> no, it's terrible. My would, boy Paws had Cushing's. Dude, too, he would go. sucks. <laughs> So you got my you got my fucking black lab that was and puking and then you'd have the tiny dog that was making noises and Brady's like, dude, what is I don't ever want a dog. That's uh that that there's a couple other reasons. There's there's only one dog he wants, and it's our Lord and Savior. Excuse me, James Wan, I'm pushing you out for the moment. There's only two people on this planet that know the true Lord and Savior. Melonhead. His name is Melonhead, and he lives next to the Colonial Theater where they shot the original The Blob. Which, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this, I'm showing for Terror Tuesday next month the original of Steve McQueen. That's right. Mm-hmm. I'll give you. I'll, I'll I'll post the date and shit. I'm stepping out of my comfort zone. I'm not just doing another 80s slasher. I'm showing The Blob. That's a but, great. Justin, movie. you know, you keep saying that James Wan is our Lord and Savior, but everybody knows that Jesus was a carpenter. John Carpenter, just saying. Um, just all right, that's he ain't making movies right Whose now. pick is it? Is he? Come on, is he? Or or it's isn't he? Question mark. But my next pick is number two, and who made it? John, John Carpenter. Carpenter. Yeah. So great segue, and he didn't even know that I was going to mention this movie. Yeah. But this is a movie <laughs> again. I remember the first time I saw it, and of course now I've watched it over. 200 300 times but i'll never forget watching john carpenter's halloween for the first time i believe i was 12 years old maybe 13 it was my first band the band was called impalement we were we called ourselves um 
what the hell was it? Adrenaline metal. That was the name <laughs> that we called the style. We were we sounded like corn and cold chamber and fear factory. Spending the night or me loco, me loco. <laughs> and, and, and just I was spending the night at his house, and he was like, "What do you want to watch?" And he didn't like his parents were very poor. So they didn't let him buy VHSs, but he was like, oh, I have these movies that I recorded off the television. Do you want to watch one? I was like, sure. He's like, have you ever seen Halloween? And I was like, Halloween? Yeah, let's do that one. And this is before I started into my stoner phase. So I watched Halloween off a shitty-ass rip off probably HBO or some shit that his dad did because it was uncut. It wasn't like, you know... AMC or none of the bullshit that fucking Brady watched when he was later in life. But it was something that immediately made an imprint on me. And as soon as I watched it, that was when I became completely obsessed with John Carpenter. So it was like, that was the gateway for me, man. I mean, for real. I mean, I had seen horror films before that, but this was the movie that I was like, whoa, this is for me. I also remember sleeping on his bedroom floor with no sleeping bag, and it was like this piece of shit, like wood floor with like pieces of wood sticking out and like nails and shit. And I was like trying to get comfortable with like one blanket and a fucking tiny ass pillow. And I was like scared of that too. So like it helped make the experience even more frightening. Um, and of course, people that have been listening to this show for a long time, they know it's my favorite horror film of all time. So it's by far up i had to list it because that that one night that i watched it it most definitely terrified me and and again it might have been the fact that i might be getting like you know having to have to do a tetanus shot the next day because there's a nail gonna stick myself in the fucking throat by sleeping on that floor but i had to mention the movie It, it, it bothers me sometimes i mean i know there's that that recording that, that that goes around every year when the anniversary hits of the audience reacting to it, that's a recording. And there's also, you know, a few years back, they showed it to some college kids and they were like, this isn't scary. And I remember showing my own daughter, you know, when she was, uh, I think, 15. Jeremy, you were supposed to come actually with me. It was a bow tie cinema thing. I had a ticket for you. It was me, my wife, my daughter, and you were going to come out and you were like, sorry, man, can't make it or something. And it was my kid's first time seeing on the big screen. I've never missed a year of seeing Halloween on the big screen, whether I'm screening it myself or I'm going somewhere else where someone else is screening it. And I took her to it. <laughs> and I'll never forget, like, halfway through it, she turned to me and she was like, is this it? Is this all that happens? And I was like, keep watching, keep watching. And at the end, she was like, I hate horror movies, but that wasn't scary. I was like, you had to be there for it. You had to be there. So there it is. My number two, John Carpenter. Yes, our our true Lord and Savior, Jeremy. Our true Lord and Savior. That's right. You're goddamn right. Halloween. There it is. So Nathan, up to your number two. I was curious how uh, how this was going to play out because uh, with a very specific top five, I imagined we were all going to uh, converge into a car crash of horror with uh, our number one and number two picks, and it's already started to happen. My number two was The Exorcist as well. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> oh, oh, that's way too high up on the list. Oh, it's way too low. What is that, Justin? Fuck Listen, he, he's an expert. You're a novice. <laughs> and we had the same fucking movie at number two. You bitch. I, Sorry, I may get shit Watch more movies, Brady. One, but uh, no, I, uh, I don't know. I think... Uh, 
it, I was going off of uh, my today, Nathan, not when I first saw it. Um, Exorcist was always one of those films, me and my uh, my cousin Jeremy, who's uh, my partner at Horror Hound, um, we would rent it or, or eventually bought it and we would occasionally watch it around Halloween and we would put it on and he would get so worked up over the, uh, sorry, my dog is biting me. Uh, we would get so worked up trying to like prep ourselves to watch it. And he would just be kept, he kept looking at me going, Oh man, are we going to be able to finish it? Oh, <laughs> it got to the point where we watched it so many times we would start falling asleep though. <laughs> well, I think what's special though. And they, you know, to your point there is that I, I would love to see a group of kids today, you know, experiencing something like that for you know their generation we all know our generation that grew up with you know mostly the 70s and 80s stuff and some of the 90s stuff but it's like today i i just don't see these kids you know going to see new horror movies like sitting around watching these movies without their phones in their hands and being legitimately affected by them so it's like of course, when we watch these movies a hundred times over and over and over again, because we're so obsessed with that feeling, it's basically like, you know, Jeremy said before to me a few episodes ago, you're chasing that dragon, man. Like you want that same roller coaster ride of that same, that thrill that you had the first time you watched it. And I, I just, I just don't see, I mean, and you know, we, we kind of do this with these, these press screenings that me and Jeremy do for these new movies. Like, you just don't see the same reaction as we did for these older movies. So no, it's, it's, it's a different viewpoint that you have as an adult than it is when you're a kid. It's funny. Like uh, me and my wife will go out on Friday nights to, to a bar to get drunk. And why are we doing that to go have fun and get drunk? Um, Exorcist was that film that we put on intentionally to try to get scared. Um, but yeah, I, you're probably right. There's not a lot of people that go out of their way to have that experience not especially not in a communal sense they're uh but yeah number two exorcist (laughs) i love that pick i think it's a great pick (laughs) in number two it's a great pick not for number two brady for you it's a great pick for him for number two but not for you oh okay all right but yes, on to you, Brady. <laughs> your he's gonna, number, he's gonna number one. one. <laughs> Exorcist two. For sometimes, yeah. it's Exorcist three. Get the fuck out of here, Exorcist two. No one likes. Is it Exorcist two, Brady? <laughs> <laughs> Can you let me fucking talk? Uh, hold on, I'll t- hold on. <laughs> I'll, I'll pull. I'll pull your pants back up. I'll pull my hand away from your ass, and I'll stop slapping it. All right. So, I can speak. Uh, my number one, I think, features the best final girl chase scene in history. Oh, here we go. 1974's Texas Chainsaw Massacre is my scariest film Whoa. of all time. Uh, there's a lot that I can say about it. Um, you know, everybody on here, I'm, I'm sure, knows it, but, you know, we I I love true crime serial killer shit. Justin, I know you do too. Jeremy, I'm pretty sure you do. Nathan, not sure how you feel about it. Uh, but you're into horror, so I'm assuming you have some affinity for it, or at least knowledge of it. Um, I like serial killer stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but 
I think that the main scare of this movie for me is like there are people like this that could be out there in these rural areas like in the middle of fucking texas or like you think of places like montana where there's like just nobody for miles but there could be a family in the shack who just gets people unsuspecting people and just fucking kills them and eats them and tortures them and like watching the movie for the first time i must have been 17 or 18 and i was sleeping at my cousin's house um and we just put it on because he was like you ever seen this and i said no you want to watch it and just the 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 sound design of that movie and the the feel of it being like a documentary but like the constant buzzing of the saw or the screaming at the end of the movie i mean it's like what a solid 20 minutes where she's just fucking screaming and i was like almost overwhelmed like with my senses of like what was going on in the movie because of that and like to the point that i felt like i couldn't handle it like i had to like pause it step outside and come back in and watch it and even to this day like just thinking like <laughs> we talked about it in our um our new texas chainsaw review back in march but like the real terror in this movie is the family unit so leatherface yes is terrifying in what he does but like walking into that house with the characters and seeing the furniture made of bones or, or seeing blood everywhere and then the family dinner at the end where they're all sitting there laughing and making fun of it and, and you know, Grandpa bites Sally's finger and all this stuff. It's just fucking terrifying, man. Like I, The that, hammer in the head. Yeah, no, the yeah, movie well. is just brutal and does not let up a single bit and I just, it's terrifying to me. So that's my number one. 1974's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Brilliant, brilliant pick. And I'll praise you, and I'll pat you. That's on one the I can call a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Masterpiece. Thanks, I knew. I, I knew. I, you guys would come back around. You love no, me. Half, half, the, half the movies Jeremy call a masterpiece are, are are close to it, if not a masterpiece. So, you, they were like Wrong Turn Four, and Jeremy was like a fucking masterpiece. I'm like, fuck, just, I'm like Three Finger was really scary in that one. <laughs> um. Not as scary as John Carpenter's The Thing, but you know. Oh, you know. <laughs> Uh, I love it. Uh, the thing, the thing, the thing. There you go. Said it a couple more times. Uh, I'm going to number one, which came out in 2007. About a couple that start experiencing some strange occurrences in their home. Uh, I'm talking about paranormal activity. This Ooh. movie mm. scared me more than any movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, you know, would it scare me now? No, it, it's kind of like a Shyamalan movie in the sense that once you watch it in entirety and you see all of the different gags and tricks and things like that, you've seen it, you can't go back and experience it again because you know, you know how it ends, right? Watching it that first time. So they screened it in Washington, D.C. before they ever even released the trailer for there was not a fucking poster I was out for it. Of this. Yeah, there was I'm not a there was not a poster out for it. Nothing. Like, dude, you got to think when they do those trailers of the audience reactions before the movie comes out. Well, like, where did that come from? It came from these random screenings, right? That they held before uh, the movie was officially released. So that's what this was. It was all I knew. You know, of course, the internet is a thing, right? So I knew paranormal activity existed. Nobody knew what it was. We just knew that it was coming, and that was it. And so my buddy hits me up, and um, he works in D.C., and he goes, hey, man, 
you know, have you heard of, of this paranormal activity movie? And I'm like, yeah, I heard about it. And he's like, what's it about? And I'm like, I don't know. He's like, well, they're doing a midnight screening at this movie theater in D.C. Apparently, this movie is supposed to be really scary. Do you want to go? Fuck yeah, I want to go. So we go. And, and, and again, I'm, I'm expecting for it to not actually be scary. And I didn't know anything about this. And then I start watching it, and it all feels real. It, it feels like I'm there with that couple every step of the way. And it was absolutely terrifying. Um, at the time, um, I had just uh, been diagnosed with fucking, like, seasonal asthma. So, like, I had a inhaler in my pocket or whatever. And, like, I remember feeling like I couldn't breathe. But not because of my allergies, because I was so fucking scared so like I'm in this dark theater like <laughs> fucking <laughs> taking hits off my fucking inhaler cause I'm like I can't fucking breathe that's cause I was scared and so we watched this movie and you wanna talk about you know Brady you just mentioned the sound design in Texas Chainsaw Massacre dude the sound design and paranormal activity is, is terrifying absolutely perfect and terrifying we got out of the movie oh and dude during the movie, there was a chick that was sitting next to me, and her boyfriend was on the other side of her, and she was literally crying. She was so scared, and I remember her boyfriend whispering, but he, like, whispered like a chainsaw. He was like, do you want to leave? <laughs> and she was like, no, it's okay. It's okay. We can stay. She was crying. She was so scared. And I remember I had a- I'd have been like, close your eyes, honey. Close your eyes. I got something for you down below. Yeah. It's all nice for you. Have some popcorn. Uh, so I went to reach for my drink, and I was watching the movie. It was so intent on not taking my eyes off. I was, I was enamored with this fucking movie that I went to grab my drink, but I grabbed her arm on accident. She was, dude, she screamed. So I felt so bad because she was already, like, scared and crying, and I fucking grabbed her arm, and I was like, Oh my god, I'm so sorry. And so we uh do my my buddy is uh is a cop and you know the whole thing was you know he lived in DC at the time and shit like that and he was like, "Dude, just we'll watch this movie, come crash at my house afterwards." So we get back to his his condo and I'm so fucking scared that I was like, "Dude, I don't think I can sleep on your couch, man. Like, can I sleep on your floor?" And he and he was like, "Yeah, man. I, I actually I was going to ask you like if you wanted to cuz I'm kind of fucking I'm kind of fucking scared too. Like I'm, you know, never mind the fact that he's like a DC cop and like experiences, you know, crazy shit all the time. But so, dude, I, I'm sli- like I'm on his bedroom floor. It's like three o'clock in the morning, and like every time I go to, to fall asleep, like I'm like I made a noise. I was like, or like you know something like that. And he was like, hey, 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 why are you making noise, man? Why are you making noise? And I was like, dude, I'm just my body naturally making noise, man. I'm I'm sorry, but dude. This movie made me sleep with the lights on for a solid at least week and a half. Easy, man. Easy. Um, and I just, uh, movies just typically don't affect me like that. And, you know, horror films are supposed to scare you. They're supposed to thrill you. They're supposed to excite you. And goddamn if Paranormal Activity didn't do all of those things for me. So that's my number one pick. Fantastic pick. I only put it on my list just for you, Jeremy, to see it now. Thank you, buddy. But in reality, though, it it, it did it, it kind of like hit me 
over the last few years and particularly like talking with you about that movie and hearing you talk about that experience, how much that nailed me, you know, it being a found footage movie and it being a movie that, you know, I didn't see in theaters. Luckily you did, but it's, it's, it's one for the ages. I don't know about the sequels um, because I've only watched like a handful of them and I was probably totally wasted during (laughs) those, but I like to. My I'm number a, one. I'm a fan of the franchise. My number one is a movie that's already been mentioned, and it is the first movie that I can recall. At the age of fourteen, going to a party, in which an Ouija board was part of the plan, and I'd never seen William Friedkin's The Exorcist before, and. It was this tiny little apartment above this shitty house in Earlville, New York. And I watched the movie and I was terrified. And I actually could not stay at where I was supposed to be sleeping and staying over for the night. There was a girl there I was potentially dating at the time. I remember her first name. Who knows if she's still alive, so I'll say her first name. Her name was Erica. <laughs> With a C or a K? C. Okay. Later there was a K. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) (laughs) There was one with a K later, or two or three. I don't know. I can't recall. But (laughs) this movie, for real, though, I mean, it it was that kind of night where I was just so taken back. And we were just like sitting Indian style, you know, just like chilling. There was like no drugs or anything, no weed, no nothing. It was just like teenagers hanging out, like watching a movie. I always forget, you know, with these huge screen TVs I've become so accustomed to over the last 20 years, it's like we used to watch these movies on these tiny little, be like this little fucking 24 inch television or whatever the fuck it was. Like, I could even see the movie now if I tried to watch it on that, but we watched it on a very small television, and I think it was like an attic or above a garage type of apartment or whatever. And I didn't want to stay there because I was so scared. Didn't want to let on to that. I was just like, no, I'm not I'm not feeling this tonight, you know. I just want to go home. Went home, laid in my bed all night staring at the ceiling and listening to every single sound, every creak. Because growing up, my mom always wanted like all these old-ass houses. She's like, well, we'll, we'll, we'll buy that and fix that shit up or whatever, and then they never would. <laughs> so we didn't have the money to do it. So it'd just be like these old houses, like, going to the bathroom, walking in the room, on the floors and shit all the time. But it was the first movie that legitimately scared me. And that's why it has to be my number one. I mean, my list is based upon those experiences where I was legitimately frightened in some way, shape, or form. And yeah, I just gotta say, man. I mean, I know it's I know it's cliche. Everyone's gonna say The Exorcist. Most lists on the internet, The Exorcist. I get it, but it was the first movie that really, you know, touched me in a way where it, it lived in me for the rest of my life. And I think that's what's so special about horror, you know, uh, you know, compared to action movies, science fiction, any other genre as it stays with you. You remember it. You'll never forget that moment where you were so frightened. And, you know, that experience that you had 
whether you were alone or when you were with a group of friends, that's so special to me that I had that experience with people. So my number one is William Friedkin's The Exorcist. And another little side bit, of course, Jeremy, it was the second time I'd ever met you. You're in line at The Exorcist Steps. We both got to meet William Peter Blatty and William Friedkin. And, of course, William Friedkin threw... What was it, a fucking Sharpie at you or something? He's we told a, this story a million times. He's but. a shit. Sharpie, <laughs> Sharpie that I gave him, I had just tested it, and it was perfect. It was flowing perfectly. Fucking ten minutes later, he goes to sign, and somehow the Sharpie dried out in that ten minutes. He goes to sign it, and the fucking ink is non-existent. He's a shit. Throws it right across the street, man. But I know you left, but I got to be there for the whole commemoration yep. of the steps in the plaque and see William Peter Blatty and William Friedkin commemorate those steps and have a speech and uh, definitely one of the more uh, special moments for me as a horror fan or just, you know, cinephile in general, just film fan, to be there for that and see that because I know Blatty died about a couple of years later and uh, Friedkin's still with us because I've actually done a live stream Q&A with him at Alamo since then and uh, he still likes talking about his movies. Just don't watch any of his documentaries. <laughs> there it is. But uh, Nathan, our guest, enough blabbing from us, the Brain Stew crew, your number one scariest horror movie. Here's the shocking part. My number one hasn't been mentioned yet. And I did not expect that. I... My number one, I found, I had started going to horror conventions in roughly 2000, was my first horror convention. And I fell in love with going to them. And one of the things that I was a big eye-opener for me was the fact that you could find bootlegs of films from other countries. Stuff that just wasn't available. It was eventually available in America, but at that time... It was like discovering that there's an entire world of horror that exists outside of Hollywood. And it was a very exciting time. And there was one movie that there's there was like is like a drug dealer at this show I would go to. He knew exactly what I wanted. He's like, oh, this is brand new. It's not out yet. Blah, 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 blah. The show we went to was in Cleveland. So it was like three hour, four hour drive to get home. I think I get home that Saturday night at 1 a.m. I'm so excited to watch this film. I put it on and it was the biggest mistake I ever made. <laughs> I literally got in my car and drove to my parents' house <laughs> and slept on their couch. Like that's how bad it messed me up. And that's uh, uh Juwan the grudge. Wow. The grudge. Wow. Grudge. Wow. There's something about that film from the way the ghosts were presented, the the audio um, that they would utilize when you knew it was like Jaws, you know, it, instead of the da da, you would hear the uh, noise that was coming out of the uh, the woman, and it just uh, like you said earlier, this one of those films where there was no escape. You were you were cursed, and that's the end of it, and it just. It got me, and what was really fun about that movie was the fact that to find out that there were already movies that predated it that you could hunt down. So the internet was still newish, um, but yeah, it was it was not only discovering something that incredible, but also being able to go and hunt down the its origins, the uh, the original stuff, 
that was uh, produced over there in Japan. But yeah, it was like a rabbit hole. And it, it led me to, I mean, maybe at that point I had already seen uh, Ringu, but to discover every other film from Asian horror, from Pulse, The Dark Water, Tale of Two Sisters, they all have kind of a similar backbone and they all could have easily been in a top five list like this. But The Grudge was the one that I, I had to say was the 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 big uh, numero uno. That was a great pick. Great pick. Yeah. I did not expect that one. I I mean, I don't remember seeing it. It was a date type thing, and I will not elaborate any further. Are you talking about the, the American remake, Justin, or are you talking about the, the original? No, the American remake, okay. because I don't recall being able to see the original until That's the, much, the much later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, much, much, much later. So, yeah, for sure. Fantastic picks all around, even though be ready. Well, definitely, ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to Camp Blood at the Mahoning Drive-In Theater the first weekend of September, you can be there. I'll bring, I'll, I'll bring a proper leather chair, and you'll be able to see him bare-ass being whipped. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Maybe it'll have it in the room, but not in front of everyone, unless you really want to have that kind of thing happen. But, Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so, so much for listening to this episode. And Jeremy, are we, you know, got to thank you for bringing this amazing guest on for this episode. Nathan, dude, the, the floor is yours, man, to promote all things Horror Hound. Yep. So right. where, if where, people want to find you. Yeah, uh, visit us uh, on the internet. Horrorhoundweekend.com for our convention. Our next show, like I said, Cincinnati, Ohio, September uh, 9th through the 11th. Um, we have shows in Cincinnati next March, Indianapolis in August, and something in the West Coast uh, later that fall. Uh, Horrorhound.com for our magazine, and uh, rough about uh, September 12th uh, that week, the Horrorhound uh, Revenge of the Horrorhound comic book will be available on Horrorhound.com. Halftone Horrors will be available on Horrorhound.com. Um, but yeah, come check us out. And I appreciate you guys having me on. I really do. Yeah, dude, it's been so much fun, man. I, re- I really appreciate you uh, coming on, and I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, not only uh, attending the show in a few weeks, but uh, getting to see you, man. It's been it's been a little while. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, really appreciate really it. Really love your number two pick. And, uh, <laughs> and, and with that, you, you notice you got crap for it being here. number two. I don't think it was even on Jeremy's five. Nope. Yeah, so... There's but a that's difference. fine. That's fine. Be ready. Be ready <laughs> has to get the rakes up his back up and down every single week. We just love it, giving him shit. It's intriguing to me the idea. How old were you when you said you saw Chainsaw Massacre? Uh, Sixteen, seventeen, around that. That's unfathomable. I yeah. I I talk to people who uh, I have a buddy of mine who I he'll always throw me through a loop. I was. 10 years ago i think he was tw- you know 28 29 he said and he never had a twinkie oh jesus it's little things like that and it's like it's things that, you know i grew up with chainsaw massacre i don't remember a moment in my life where i didn't remember watching it like my parents watched that crap in front of me and scarred me um so it's very interesting to to meet someone who's discovered that discovered horror later in life and not been brought up with it. It's been it's fun. Just, 
it's neat. And then that's partially the reason why I, we, 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 we invited him to be on this show. Cause otherwise it would just be me and Jeremy yeah. being like, remember that when we saw that in ninth grade, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's definitely something that I think, you know, in retrospect, we, we want novice horror people to, novice. to, to join and listen and enjoy it because there's, you know, we give them shit for it jokingly, but in all reality, I mean, people experience horror for the first time every single day no matter what title it is and we want everyone to be inclusive in terms of being able to come on and listen and understand and of course we're not going to spoil the movie for you if you've never seen it and you know watch it first but um it, it's great to have that perspective from someone that's younger that didn't get to grow up with these movies the same way that me and jeremy did and i would even dare say jeremy had even a, a way wider perspective in terms of the genre than i did you know i mean depends on where you lived i mean some people i talked to you know the same age their video store didn't have the selection yeah mine did or you know vice versa so um that's what's always interesting to me and that's what creates a bigger conversation and that's way more interesting than everyone sitting around you know shooting the shit being like yeah Texas Chainsaw or Halloween or you name the title and Dead Alive and we all saw it the same year and whatever. So it, it gives a, a larger picture for people and I just think that's important. I'll get into argument, or not argument, I'll get into little comments, uh, conversations with uh, like someone that calls me out a lot, Sean Clark, he'll find out movies. It's usually not horror, it's usually something else. But he'll he'll be like, you've never seen that? And he's like, that's insane. And, I, and I, my reply always is, uh, pisses you off, doesn't it? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, you jealous? And he goes, why the fuck would I be jealous? I was like, imagine if you could watch it for the first time. Mm-hmm. Dude, that that's the perfect response, not to cut you off at all. Yeah. But, I mean, I've, I've, I've had that same response to someone, and they didn't understand it. And I said, this is a tweet I did like two years ago. I was like, how amazing would it be to experience such movies for the first time ever? How, but, how monumental would that be? But some people don't understand now, that. Your, your brain's fully functional and not when you were six yes. years old. <laughs> yeah. that That's so special. And that's why I'm excited when I do find stuff that I've never heard of before. But that's another episode all into itself. Ladies and gentlemen, seriously, <laughs> thank you so, so much for listening we love you so, so, so much. And Jeremy, if they want to find us on the internet, on the world wide web, where can they find us? You can uh, find us on epicfilmguys.com yeah. and on all the major podcast uh, provider <laughs> apps. You just type in our name like a Google kind of search and it just pops up right on there and you can pop your headphones on and have a good time. Yeah, you might even be able to look on Google and see some nudes or something of Brady. We'll, we'll see. I don't know. Nah, but... I scrubbed those. We're good. <laughs> I might I might have stolen them on a disc and put them back up. So just <laughs> careful. But it, again, thank you so much for having our guest on, Jeremy. Nathan, you seriously, fantastic episode, fantastic countdowns, great picks. I'm Justin. I'm Jeremy. I'm B-Ready. And of course, until next time, as always, we always ask you to keep it creepy.